Back in Pennsylvania, where we came from most recently, as I'm sure you all know, there's a large population and a great history and heritage of Quakerism. Uh, There are numerous meeting houses dotted around the countryside as well as in the cities uh, that date back many hundreds of years. And I was thinking when I was reading the uh, passage from James about one of those icons of Quakerism, which is a small painting that I've seen at the uh, museum, the art museum in Philadelphia, which is called the Peaceable Kingdom. And it was painted uh, many hundreds of years ago, and in that sort of naive style, naive not in a pejorative term, but in an artistic way. Uh, And it shows various types of beasts living together in perfect harmony. The cattle, the lion, the leopard, you name it. Everybody's living together in peace, in this peaceable kingdom. Now, this peaceable kingdom is something that comes down from heaven. And we are hearing today both from James and from the words of Jesus about what that means, what that kingdom means, what it looks like. Jesus was walking with his disciples from Galilee to Capernaum and was teaching them. He didn't want to draw attention because he was teaching them very, if you will, sensitive material. Material that was for their ears only at that point in time. And they didn't understand what he was talking about. Now, these disciples, as I'm sure you know, came from various different backgrounds. They had various levels of education and different skills, just like you and me. And none of them, it seems, understood what he was talking about. But they were all afraid to ask for any kind of clarification. How many times have you been in a situation like that where you wanted to ask a question, but you hesitated and later on wished you had because it would have made all the difference knowing the the answer to your question? So these 12 are confused about what Jesus is saying. And so they I don't know if they lost interest or if they just got distracted. But what they started discussing and fighting about was really the opposite of what Jesus was had in mind for them. They got to talking about who would be the greatest among them. Now, you have to bear in mind that these are people, Messianic uh, Jews, who are expecting a Messiah. And these 12, of course, at that point in time, believed Jesus to be the Messiah. Now, what they were looking for was a Messiah who would come and overturn the Roman rule, reestablish Uh, the line of the kings of Israel forever and ever and reign in glory here on earth. Of course, that is not at all what Jesus had in mind, although if you think about it, uh, that is, in fact, what happened. If you look down the line and through history, uh, despite the persecutions of the Christians, Roman paganism fell and Christianity became the dominant religion. But that's another story. You see, these disciples have set their minds on earthly things. And think also to our our colic today, where we ask God to grant us not to set our minds on earthly things, but on heavenly things, and not on things that though we are placed among things that are passing away, that we will hold fast to those things that are eternal. 
So Jesus has to teach these 12 over and over again, just like he has to teach us over and over again. He has to get it through their heads that what he's talking about is a kingdom not of this world. And we can see this in James. Now, of course, the book of James was written after the death and resurrection and ascension of Christ, after the day of Pentecost. And so you can see in his writings a great deal of insight and knowledge about things heavenly, a tone of authority with which he speaks, which almost equals that of Jesus himself. But this, in this re- reading from James, James says, if you have bitter envy and selfish ambitions in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. But where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. What a simple statement, and yet how profound and how true And we can see that all throughout history and up to the modern day, where there is selfish ambition and envy, there will be disorder, wickedness of every kind. He says, you want something and you can't have it, and so you commit murder to get it. What is the joy in that? What is the fulfillment in that? He says, however, wisdom from above is first pure and peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. In other words, the total opposite of the wisdom of the world. The wisdom from on high is open. The wisdom from on high is generous and gentle, willing to give first, And so you see, Jesus takes that little child to be an example. These 12 men who were fighting over power, what they perceived to be power, real power, which really wasn't real power, as we all know. And a place in history, a place in this new regime that they were imagining. But instead of... Instead of... uh, encouraging that sort of thinking. Jesus instead takes up a child. He doesn't rile them up with a great uh, militaristic speech. He doesn't get their passions going with thoughts of conquest. He takes a child, a little child, and picks it up and puts it in the midst. And he says to them, whoever receives one such child receives me. Whoever receives me, receives not me, but the one who sent me. And we can think of this child just that way, just as a child. And yes, it is very important for us to receive the little children. This is why we have such an emphasis in our churches on Sunday school and our youth. And I have to say, coming up this week, we begin our our, uh, preschool chapel again for the year, and I can't wait because it's one of my favorite times of the week. Um, The two-year-olds at first are a little little standoffish. I think they're in that stranger danger part of their development, and they're a tough crowd. But the threes and fours are just 
ecstatic for chapel time, and it's wonderful. We all, they march in here, and they sit around, and we take some of the cushions from the pews, and they sit around in a square, uh, well, really a horseshoe shape down here on the floor, and I sit up at the altar rail there, and we have times to learn uh, stories from the Bible, to learn some songs about our faith, and to pray. And last year, we, we of course, we prayed for our mommies and daddies and that sort of thing, but then I also taught them the Lord's Prayer, which they, they learned very readily, and they loved to pray it. And so it was just, it's so refreshing to see faith through the eyes of a child uh, once a week. And so that's an example of uh, literally um, receiving the little child. But you can also think of the little child as an idea, as... Um, as that heavenly thought process, as opposed to the earthly thought process, Um, as receiving the weak, receiving the poor, as receiving those who may not have the level of education that you have, those who have very little power in the world. All those childlike characteristics can be seen in our brothers and sisters, no matter what their age. And so what Jesus is saying to them and to us is that whoever will be great among you must be servant of all. And the first will be last, and the last will be first. And whoever receives this little child receives me. And whoever receives me, receives not me, but the one who sent me. And so as we go forward in this week, it is important that we always, that we bear in mind these words of of Christ and of St. James as well, considering our impulses. You know, it's, we come to church in roughly an hour on Sunday, we hear God's word, we hear the sermon, we participate in the sacraments, and uh, it, it's easy to get excited and enthusiastic about, about our faith, and that lasts for a while. But, you know, we, we go out into the world, and you know, it's important during the week to nourish that faith as well because there are so many distractions and things that would take us away from our concentration on God and our faith. Naturally, you have to live your life and do your work and go about your daily business, but we must try throughout uh, the week, and not just on Sunday, to remember these words of Jesus, because it's out there in the world where we meet the little child, isn't it? Usually in church, um, especially in a small community, we meet our friends and neighbors who we see all the time and who uh, are familiar to us and comfortable to us. But it is out in the world where we go out and meet the little child, where we meet the stranger, where we meet the other, that we're really put to the test. And so let us remember these words of Christ and receive the little child. And in doing so, receive him and the Father. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.